This is The Business Machine. We talk with small business owners and entrepreneurs to get their advice on how they run their machines. These inspirational leaders share with us some of the tools they use to run their machines and talk about some of the mistakes they made along the way and what they learned. As business owners, we're all trying to fuel our machines, create a great team and put tools in place so that eventually our machines will run themselves. So get ready. Up next, the business machines firing up. Hey everybody and welcome back. We're excited that we're really kicking off the new year in a really good way because we have really been working hard on getting a lot of great people on the show in the last couple months. And uh, so you've noticed that I've hoped and uh, hope you'd enjoy that. We have another great guest today and Jeff Sass is with us. And while his early career, Jeff Sass was making B movies. He spent most recent years as C-suite as CEO, CEO, and currently CMO for .club domain. So you guys know how I love domain. So this is going to be a great conversation. While uh, career spanning the entertainment, computer game, mobile, and internet worlds, he's written and produced for film and TV, and he's been a tech startup entrepreneur. Graduate of Cornell, Jeff is a frequent speaker on entrepreneurship, and he's been appeared and he's appeared in Ford, Entrepreneur, Ad Age, and many other. As a father of three, Jeff, we have so many connections. He's also been a prolific dad blogger. I love that. Participating in influencer campaigns and brands including Intel, Sony, Ford, and much more. Despite seemingly successful career, Jeff Sass is happy to admit that everything he knows about business and marketing, he learned from the Toxic Avenger. So, Jeff, you and I got a lot in common, man. This is, this is pretty cool. I'm excited. How are you doing this morning? Good, Brian. Thanks very much, and thanks for that uh, illustrious introduction. My, yeah. my reputation exceeds me. I know. I love those bios. I always tease my wife. I'm like, you know what I'm going to do one day? I was like, I'm going to have somebody read the bio in a really cool voiceover, and then I'm going to play it really loudly every time I get home, <laughs> just so she'll think I'm cool. And she's like, yeah, you're not doing that. Excellent. Excellent. So, Jeff, tell me a little bit here. So somebody comes up to you. You're in Florida right now, I know, and I know you've been to Michigan and Traverse City, but somebody comes up to you in Florida, and you're getting a cup of coffee, and they say, hey, Jeff, what do you do? What do you tell them? Yes. Yeah, so, so mostly I'm a, a marketing guy. You know, I've been an entrepreneur and a marketing guy, and then, of course, uh, I'm really a storyteller. You know, in, in marketing, that's that's what it really is all about. So I've also written this book uh, about some of my experiences uh, making low-budget action horror films. <laughs> Sweet. So... As entrepreneurs, both of us have this disease, I guess, because we really don't know exactly what we do on a day-to-day basis because just from your bio, it's a little bit of everything. But tell me what your day looks like. I know you said you got up early, got to the gym, ready for a great day after this amazing podcast. What are you going to do today? <laughs> yeah, well, t- today, uh, actually, so so usually I get up, I do have a, a morning routine, and I think morning routines are, are really um, interesting and valuable to create yeah. habits. So, yeah. I mean, you know, I get up. I go to I'm into CrossFit now for about the past eight months. So cool. I go to CrossFit every morning at 530 a.m. So I'm up pretty early. And then when I come back from CrossFit, I meditate. I've been doing TM since I was 15 years old. Oh, wow. so over, yeah. over, over 40, over 40 years. Um, been doing TM uh, pretty regularly. So I meditate. Then I have my breakfast. And, you know, I also write in a journal every morning for 10 minutes. Um, and I think that's really cool to clear my head and, and also get into that practice of writing daily, even just writing in a journal daily. If you're someone who likes to write, it's it's just a great way to just move words every morning. So I do that. And then I'm off to work. And so today, uh, you know, I, I'm CMO of Doc Club Domains. We're one of the new um, uh, top level domain extensions like you use, uh, you know, businessmachine.show for your podcast and we're dot club. So just like you can get dot com, dot biz, dot org, you can get a domain name that ends in dot club. And today for the agenda today, I've got a bunch of stuff. I've got a, a marketing committee meeting for the domain name association, which I'm on the board of. Cool. And then we just launched something called names dot club, which is a marketplace for premium domain names featuring these new extensions. So not just .club, but .club, .shop, .work, .fit, and a bunch of other new domain name extensions. And what's unique about uh, names.club is as is your, if you're a small business, you can pay for these domain names on a monthly basis. So oh, wow. a premium name typically has a price tag of $1,000 or more. Yeah. But instead of writing a check, you can pay monthly uh, over time, over 60 months with no interest. So it's a really good program. And we've got a broker network. So today I've got a big mailing I've got to send out to our broker network and update them, update them on some things. We're launching an affiliate program. So that's kind of what my day is going to look like today. Yeah, I like that. So talk to me a little bit because, you know, there's this 
and we go back and forth on this too. And, and like we were talking earlier, we have a marketing company. How important is that, you know, the dot, the end, the TLD? I mean, does it matter anymore? Is it, does it have to be a dot com? Is there still value? And, and hey, man, we really need to get that dot com. So we're, let's look for a name that we can get. Or, or does it not matter? So I think it matters a lot, and obviously I'm, I'm biased since it's, sure. <laughs> it's, it's, it's my uh, livelihood. Only by and club, I'll, only by dot .club, that's the new thing. No, but I'm not just biased for dot .club. I, as I mentioned, I'm on the board of the Domain Name Association, yep. so, so I'm, I'm into uh, promoting the value and benefit of all domain names. And I think the key to a domain name for a business or an individual is you want something that's, that's easy for people to remember. You want it to be memorable, and you want it to be meaningful. And so whether it's .com or .club or .show, you know, as long as it's memorable or meaningful. Now, in the early days, you could get a keyword .com name sure. without spending a fortune. So, of course, having that keyword to the left of the dot made it meaningful. Today, it's a lot harder to find a good keyword or, or a, you know, a good phrase on the left of the dot that's available with a .com. So you have the opportunity to choose something other than a .com. And what makes it even more interesting is – the new extensions are often words that have meaning, right. like you're a podcast, dot so you're show. using a dot show. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're a membership organization or a club, you can use a dot club. If you're a startup with a, uh, you know, box of the month kind of thing, dot club is a great name. So you can find a domain extension that's very meaningful. And from a marketing perspective and a business perspective, when you have a domain name where the left side of the dot and the right side of the dot come together to make a meaningful phrase or a phrase that people will search for. There's actually some real SEO value to that. And it's also easier for people to remember and find you. So I think there's a lot of opportunities with domains. And it's not just about having that one domain name as your portal, which is the old way of thinking. It's yeah. now about having multiple domains for different aspects of your business. So you might have your main you know, website for your agency, but you have uh, you know, businessmachine.show for the podcast. And mm -hmm. you might have a dot app address for your app or a dot news for your press releases. You're a dot club for your loyalty or reward program. So there's a way to have a strategy where you can use multiple domain names that all mean something and they're very effective marketing shortcuts for your customers. Man, it's an exciting time to be in marketing. So let, I know you don't have a magic ball, but where, where do you see, what is the landscape of marketing today? I mean, you mentioned earlier, and we talked to this about our clients, it's still, you know, at the very base level, it talks about storytelling. But what are you excited about in, in today's marketing world and what are you looking forward to? Like, what is marketing in your sense and what is good marketing? And what do you tell some of the companies that you talk to? You know, there's so much out there. You know, there are all the different social media channels. There's SEO, there's AdWords, there's pay-per-click, there's, <laughs> there's everything. There's still mail. So what does the landscape look like and where do you start? Yeah, it's it's really interesting, and obviously it, it, it's constantly changing, and and a lot of a lot of things about marketing, and and you know people think it's the technology, but it's not the technology. It's it's always the the user experience, the consumer experience, yeah. and consumer behavior. And what's really changed now is is you know people want their stuff everywhere. So so I worked in mobile for a number of years, you know, in mobile content for a company called Mixer and several other companies. And you know, even back then in 2008, 2009, 2010, I would say that you know, mobile is going away. Mobile doesn't mean anything. And yeah. I really believe that because there's no such thing as mobile marketing or mobile advertising, right? People just want their stuff on whatever device they happen to be using at the given moment. The consumer doesn't think, "Oh, I'm looking at this promotion on my phone or I'm looking at this on my tablet or I'm watching it on my TV. I really wish this, just, was, this ad was on my mobile phone. Yeah, they're, they're just seeing their stuff and they want to right. see it whenever they want. Right. And I think what's really interesting about the world we're in today with the technology side is is the ability to do smart targeting because when, when advertising is properly targeted, it's actually no longer advertising, it's content, yep. right? If you're, if you're a fisherman, you want to see ads about the latest and greatest fishing products because it's of interest to you, and that's content. It's not an advertisement. And so we have the opportunity, but it's, it's a double-edged sword because it gets abused and, it, and it's not perfect yet, to target our marketing and target our advertising in ways that it is so in line with the expectations and interests of the consumer you're reaching that it's not perceived as an interruption or an advertisement. Yeah. It's perceived as valuable content, right? And that's when it's powerful. So Joe, talk to me a little bit about, and I don't even know where to start with you, because I imagine you've probably been in this entrepreneur, entrepreneurial mindset since 
you were young. <laughs> um, how did you start and, and where did that, because we always try to talk to entrepreneurs and it's funny because I just assume everyone is because that's the world that you and I play in, but very few people actually are and, and run a business and, and are successful at it. So when did you get to that point where you're like, all right, you know, I'm, I might work here, I might do this, but I'm going to also build some things. I'm going to write a book and I'm going to do this for CMO. Where, tell me about that timeline. How did you get that itch and where did that come from and, and where's it going? Yeah, well, I think, you know, being an entrepreneur it, today is it's more important to have an entrepreneurial mindset, mindset and attitude yeah. than to necessarily actually be technically an entrepreneur and starting a business because, you know, I'm older, so I've been around the block a few times and I've worked in a, in a, in a number of industries and I've always approached business, even, you know, from my first job out of college, I always, I never felt I was an employee, even when I was an employee, technically, I always looked at my work role as being a part of a team and being, you know, just being part of that company. And I've always had that attitude. So I've always felt like I was an entrepreneur, even when I was, you know, a lowly production assistant sure. in my first job out of, out of college. I never thought of it as, you know, us and them or employees. I always, in my mind, was, was on the same level as anyone else in the company trying to build a success and contribute, you know, whatever I can contribute. And I think that kind of entrepreneurial spirit and mindset is, is critical today because, there's no such thing as job security no. anymore. Mm -mm. We have to, we have to, we have to be the entrepreneurs of our own careers, and this is something I tried to instill in my kids. And when I was doing dad blogging, which you mentioned, I, I wrote it, I wrote a few posts on this topic. But it's like the idea of you have to be, you're an entrepreneur of your own career, you're an entrepreneur of yourself. So really, all of us are entrepreneurs, whether we're starting businesses or not. Yeah. And the days when someone like my grandfather came to this country and worked for the same business for 45 years and worked his way up from the shipping yard to a senior executive, you know, that doesn't happen anymore. You know, no one is safe, not even the highest of the high level CEOs have anything that's remotely like that kind of job security anymore. So you have to have that mindset of, of you know, making contributions at a higher level um, and being in control of your career and your learning and your knowledge and your skill sets and all that stuff. Yeah. And I think that's interesting because there's two sides to this. And I talk to students all the time is that that very thing is I love that statement as you're an entrepreneur of your own career. And I think that side of it is important because as an employer, that's what I'm looking for because that's what our staff does. We say, Hey man, if you guys want to work here at Michigan creative, we expect you to be a leader in this company and we expect you to help us to get to the level that you want to get to. We can't just, you know, you can't just depend on us as leaders to get you there. We're going to help you along the way. But I think smart employers um, are looking for that very thing. Um, and, and I think the older school of business where I'm the boss and you're going to do what I say, I think smart employees are, or employers are starting to look for that. How do you, how do you as a student and how do you tell your, your kids, how do you spark that? I mean, where does that come from? Because it's not taught. It's getting better. It's getting taught. I was just in a creativity class at Michigan State University. It's getting taught at that level, but I don't yet think it's getting taught at the elementary, middle school, and high school level anymore. No, and in some respects, possibly it's worse because the opposite is is taught in exactly. that in that you need to learn as early as possible. And, and I, you know, it's not easy. You need to learn to value and appreciate your own accomplishments, and you need to to learn to tap you know, pat yourself on the back and not have to necessarily need someone else to pat you on the back to know that you've done something good or made a contribution. <laughs> That's a hard it's, thing for students today. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's really hard in a world where, you know, when I was a kid and growing up and played sports and summer camp and everything, there were winners and losers. That's it. That's and, right. And, and, and it was okay to lose and you learn from losing. And now, you know, you know, even I saw it as my kids were growing up, it was different. And when they were in little sports leagues, you know, everyone yeah. gets a trophy right. and everyone, you know, and 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 you got to find the balance. Of course, it's not good to exclude kids or or punish kids who yeah, aren't yeah. as 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 physically talented as other kids. But by the same token, you know, not everyone is going to be great at everything. We all have our individual skill sets and, and, and it's better to understand and learn at a young age, you know, what are the things that you are good at? What are the things that give you joy and satisfaction versus trying to fit in and, and get your chance at bat just because everyone says, okay, every kid's got to get their chance at bat. Well, maybe you'd rather be, you know, sitting in the corner doing the statistics for the team instead of swinging the bat. Who yeah. knows? 
Yeah, and it's interesting because we uh, this professor who's pretty well known, Carl Good here at Michigan State, he teaches a class on creativity, and that's that's his class. And it, it, what he said is, we, we we're very creative as we're born, and we're very creative thinkers, you know, as we're one and two and three. I mean, if you watch your your kids play, and I've watched mine, I mean, they're very creative. But then that kind of gets lost over the course of your your traditional schooling, and so he really is trying to awaken that spirit for everything. I mean, it's great to be important. And to be creative, but I think it's getting lost in some of the schools and skilled labor is getting lost and those kind of things and, and creative and out of the box thinking too. So it's something that you got to purposely do on your own and it's difficult to do. So, you know, 10, 15 years ago, maybe 20, 30 years ago, Jeff, we could look out 10 years and kind of have an idea of what we're doing, but with the landscape of technology changing so rapidly today, what do you think you're going to be doing and what do you think your business is going to look like in 10 years? I mean, are we going to have domains? <laughs> are we going to have dots? Um, what's marketing going to look like? Is it going to change? What do you think? Yeah, well, I, th- I think that uh, domain names are not going away anytime soon. You know, uh, every, you know, what one, one thing people forget is, is email is still kind of the killer app. You know, email is still very important. Sure. Well, personally and for business and you don't have email without a domain name sure. right every every email address is is built upon a domain name um, and I think more and more we're moving our our activities online and having that online is presence and I actually think that there's going to be looking forward kind of a shift in that for many years now businesses and individuals have been pushing their online presence to third-party platforms, whether that's a Facebook page or Twitter or yeah. some other some other network, and they're building up their audience in a place where they actually don't have control. Right? You know, you're you're training you're training your customers to go visit you on Facebook. Well, you're sending all your traffic to Facebook, and Facebook is changing their algorithms on a daily basis practically they've and they start charging for things that they weren't charging for before. And the next thing you know, you know, just because you have 100,000 followers or likes on Facebook, it doesn't mean when you post something or send something out there that 100,000 people see it, a very tiny fraction of it, see see that. You don't have control over that audience. So what we see a lot of people doing with domain names now is you get a great domain name that's meaningful and redirect it to your Facebook page. And then you train your customers right. to visit you at the domain name. So even, even the actress, Viola Davis, she uses violadavis.club. It points to her Facebook page. Mm-hmm. So she can tell her fans, go visit me on Facebook, go to violadavis.club. And then one day, if she decides, well, I don't want to do Facebook anymore. I'm going to build my own platform or she I want people it. to come to my website. She doesn't have to retrain her fans to go somewhere else because they they already know to go to her dot club web address and that takes them wherever you know she wants them to go. And you're not giving up your brand equity to some third party that you have no control over. So those types of uses of domain names I think are going to get more and more popular over time as people understand the value of of being able to control where you send people and then they don't have to search. You're 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 a lot closer. For my book perfect example. So my book, which we'll, we'll talk about, is called Everything I Know About Business and Marketing I Learned from the Toxic Avenger. So I want people to go to Amazon.com and buy the book, of course. Sure. I want to get them there as efficiently as possible as a marketer. So instead of me saying to you, you know, go to Amazon, search for the book, you know, you have to search for my name or search for the book's name if you remember it, I registered the domain name toxicavenger.marketing because it's relevant to the book's title. It's easy to remember. It's short. And that ToxicAvenger.marketing redirects to my books page on Amazon. So you're literally one click away from buying the book when you um, go to that URL. And it's easy to remember, and I can put that everywhere. So it's a nice, memorable shortcut to get people one step closer to buying the book. So those types of uses of domain names, I think we're going to see people increasingly do. And and so the use of these domain names are going to increase. And I think over time, people are going to, in some respects, pull away from some of these bigger networks and and launch more controlled communities of their own um, because you know it's just getting out of hand you know you don't you can't control what's in the news feed you can't control what people see you really don't have the connection with your customers or community that you think you do on some of these platforms yeah and it's interesting too because when they make a change in the algorithm it happens immediately and you can see it we see it across our customers pages we see it across our own pages you know where yesterday we're doing a post and it's great and it has a great picture and you get 20 30 40 likes on it and then the next day the same exact picture a very similar picture to that gets one 
<laughs> or one or two views and they change it almost immediately. I mean, it's obviously immediately, but it really, really works like that too. So it is frustrating, I think, especially if you don't spend money on advertising, which is what Facebook wants you to do. So yeah. Hi everybody. Brian here real quick. This episode of The Business Machine is sponsored by the one and only Michigan Creative. That's right. Michigan Creative sponsors this Business Machine podcast for now. So if you have other sponsors that would be willing to sponsor our little Business Machine podcast, it's a great resource for business owners across the globe. And this one is sponsored by us here at Michigan Creative. Michigan Creative is a full-service marketing and design firm in Lansing, Michigan. We provide mobile-friendly websites, digital marketing, video production, branding, graphic design, and much, much more. So we'd love to work with you uh, wherever you are, and we really just want to talk to you. So if you want to just talk to us here at Michigan Creative, you can call me. My cell phone is 517-899-4533, or just visit michigancreative.com. All right, back to the show. Let's talk about the Toxic Avengers. So I'm looking at your page. I went. The domain worked flawlessly, so it worked awesome. (laughs) I'm a fan of Toxic Avenger because I'm of that age, and I know who that is. Who is the Toxic Avenger, and why did you decide to base a book around that? Yes, yeah, so, so the Toxic Avenger is is probably one of the more popular movies and characters from an independent film studio called Troma, mm-hmm. T-R-O-M-A. Um, and I worked for Troma for seven and a half years, you know, early in my career. So Troma is a remarkable uh, story in and of itself, in that it's it's probably the world's oldest running independent film studio. It's forty three years old right now and they're still independent still doing whatever you know they want to do it was formed by two Yale graduates uh, Lloyd Kaufman and Michael Herz um, who are great guys an unusual couple two completely <laughs> different skill sets and together they they put together this studio known for making you know low budget wild and crazy yeah. movies uh, like the Toxic Avenger and during the time I worked there, you know, we went through a lot of growth and changes as, as a little studio. And we took this character, the Toxic Avenger, which was originally in a pretty graphic, um, raw, R-rated, um, violent, crazy movie. Um, and we took that character and actually turned him into a Saturday morning cartoon show. So we did a spinoff called The Toxic Crusaders, which was actually an environmentally friendly fun uh, action-oriented cartoon series along the lines of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> and cool. we did a marketing and licensing program with 70 licensees worldwide. So Troma has just continued to to persist as this uh, icon of independent movie making of this certain kind of, you know, some would call it schlocky genre of filmmaking. But during the time I worked there, I, I learned a great many uh, terrific lessons that have carried through my entire career, no matter what industry I've been in, because mm-hmm. Troma as a company, you know, had a great culture. Um, it was a great, um, great branding example. You know, they built a tremendous brand in an industry where the studios themselves, with very few exceptions, were never really a brand. You know, no one went to see a movie right. because it was from Paramount Pictures or because it was from 20th Century Fox. They went to see a movie because it starred, you know, someone they wanted to see or was based on a book they had read uh, or it got great reviews. It wasn't about the studio. The rare exception was kind of Disney, you know, back then because Disney people would go see a to Disney a Disney movie, movie right. because it was family oriented. And Troma, you know, and Troma was the only one where our fans would go see the next trauma movie simply because it was a trauma movie. They didn't have to know much about the film or the filmmakers. If it was coming from trauma, they knew it was going to be of a certain genre and a certain type of film that they wanted to see and they expected. So that brand building um, that the company has done very successfully, you know, to last for 43 years was was really great. Um, eye-opening lessons for me in many areas. Yeah, they're building a brand around that company. And so what are the other lessons? Give me some other little pieces in there that you learned from how they marketed and how you learned how to market that. Because we have, you know, our our claim to fame here in Michigan uh, for B-movies is Evil Dead, of course, um, because that was done by a Michigan State grad. And and I had the same professor and, you know, he went on to make Evil Dead. And now, you know, it's kind of an icon if anybody knows those kind of films in Michigan. Yep. Yep. And and Ramey kind of made that on a low budget. And and it was kind of that genre and and made it made a successful career out of that. What else were they doing that was right at the time? 
Yeah, so so in the book, and I'll just say a little bit about the my intention with the book was for it to be fun and easy to read. So it's not your typical uh, business or marketing book. It's definitely not dry. It's short, very short chapters. You know, some are one or two pages long wow. of of taking these little stories from behind the scenes of making these movies and extracting, you know, meaningful lessons that any business um, can use going forward. So it's a lot of fun and easy to read. And there's so many things. You know, you talked before about. Um, how do you how does a company create this entrepreneurial spirit sure. amongst the employees and everything? One of the things that was really cool, and there's a chapter in the book about it at Troma, is they had a very strict rule when you were writing a letter or an email eventually or any type of correspondence from the company, you were not allowed to use I, the <laughs> word I. It did cool. not matter, and, and it was literally it was a rule that was strictly enforced. So it didn't matter if you were the founder of the company or an unpaid intern, if you were writing to someone outside of the company, Use it was we, we, mm-hmm. we, 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 we want to meet you for lunch. We want to see you next Tuesday. We want to see your movie, whatever is we, 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 and every single letter or correspondence started with greetings from Tromaville. Uh, and then we, 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 we want to do this. You were not allowed to use the word I, and that sounds kind of silly on the surface, but the impact it had was, was really interesting. And it, and it stuck with me, you know, here I'm 20, 20 plus years later. You know, when you are the person writing the correspondence and you're constantly saying we, 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 it really instills in you a sense that you're a part of a team. You're part of something that's not just about you. You're part of something where you're contributing to a bigger cause. And that's very useful for creating uh, internal culture. And then when you're on the outside, when you're the recipient of all these 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 odd correspondences, it made Troma really stand out. Whether it was business partners, whether it was film reviewers, you know, anytime they saw this greetings from Tromaville, we, 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 it's like, who is this company? What are they, you know, what is, what is going on here that they're, they're always this team oriented thing. And, and I think that stuck with me because when you think about it, you know, filmmaking certainly is a very collaborative process, but in actuality, every business is, you know, unless you are literally a sole proprietor who sits in front of your computer and and writes something all day and and doesn't interact with any other people, anyone in business is, is doing something collaborative. You know, if you're an employer, you're still working with your employees. If you're an employee, you're working with your employees. Everyone's part of a team. And when people say I, it's, it's really disingenuous because there are very few things that you do all by yourself. Right. And, and we've all been in that meeting where someone stands up in front of the group and says, well, I did this and I did that. And everyone's scratching their head and thinking, well, wait a minute, I, I contributed to that project. We were part of that. We were part of that. And, and so it's really disingenuous. So on the other hand, when you say we, you know, you are including everyone. And when you're a manager, if you're managing other people who report to you, it's a great way to instill purpose and get them to perform better when you give them the credit. And sometimes as a manager, you want to give even more credit than someone even deserves. You know, take yourself out of it. Talk about what your team did, you know, really instill that sense of we. And I think that's a valuable lesson. And even to this day, if I write an email to someone and that's business related and I say I in it, I feel a little bit guilty. Gee, really? I, really prefer, I really prefer to say we, and, yeah. I, and I try to still do that as much as I can. You know, one of the things I, somebody told me a long time ago that said a really good leader, somebody that's running a company, you know, may have a really good idea for something. I don't know if it's a product or if it's an idea for a customer or a brand, and they sprinkle this idea to their team. And their team and take, takes it and runs with it. And he says, a really good leader, you're going to do that, and the team is going to take it into this whole different direction. It's going to be amazing. And they forget, and you're okay with it, that you brought up the idea in the first place. And that's what a really good leader does. And so culture, to me, is what people are looking for. And I think people want to do business with a business that has a really great culture and takes care of their employees. I think that makes them feel good about doing business with that company, too. Yeah. And, and a lot of taking care of employees is giving them recognition. Right. You know, and I talk I talk a lot about that in the book, because one of the things that Troma was able to do is, you know, we had no budgets, you know, literally shoestring budgets. Maybe eventually we, we had Velcro budgets as things improved a little bit. But um, when you have no money to spend, you know, recognition costs nothing. And studies have shown many studies that that employees prefer to be appreciated and recognized than even getting raises in some cases. So it's really important to give people the opportunity um, to do new things, to grow in their position and to recognize uh, the contributions that they make. And, and in the trauma world, you know, you could be 
someone off the street with no experience one day and the next day you're directing second unit or you're yeah, you're right. building a set you know, you're <laughs> doing right. something that you're, you're you're not qualified for but you're thrown into the mix and it's sink or swim get the experience and you know and some people crash and burn which happens sure. but some people rise to the occasion and and become superstars you know given that opportunity to do something that they've never had a chance to do before. Yeah, and it doesn't take much. I think as a busy CEO or business owner, it doesn't take a lot to do, but you got to do it and you got to think about it purposefully because it's really just going and even the simple thing of, hey man, really good job on this. I, I think that was, but you got to remember to do it on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, because it's really easy to forget. And I think sometimes we think that we have to you know, get them a bunch of gift cards or take them out to a really nice dinner or do a really nice staff party. But just that little pat on the back to me has been really, really helpful. And, and I feel good when I do it, too. So I think it's not just for them. It's also for me. Yeah. C culture is not about uh, pizza and beer and Friday. Yeah. After, you know? <laughs> yeah. We used to think that. I remember somebody yeah. said the same thing as a uh, culture is not beer Fridays and ping pong. No, it's mo the most important thing is having a purpose, right? Everyone wants to yep. feel like they're a part of something bigger than themselves, that they have a purpose and they know what they're doing. And that doesn't have to be, you know, curing cancer. And obviously that, that's a wonderful purpose. Sure. But obviously most of us don't have jobs where we're changing the world in that way. But you still want to feel like you are part of something that's bigger than you and, and know what your purpose is. You know, you need to give your employees a sense of what are the objectives, what are the goals of the business, what what is their contribution leading toward. And in filmmaking, actually, that's pretty easy because the purpose is very clear. We're yeah. making a movie, you know, and your schedule is very set because even a low budget trauma movie has to operate on a very strict daily schedule. So when you're making a film, everything all deadlines are really daily you know and in business we don't have that discipline typically you know in no, business while we have maybe quarterly goals or weekly goals or annual goals you know we often can spend a day or two or sometimes more doing stuff feeling like we're being productive but we're really probably not necessarily moving forward the real goals of the business whereas when you're making a movie every single day is scheduled because guess what this the location we're in today not today there. might be the only day we have to be there. And if we don't capture everything we need on film today, we can never go back to that location or we can never get this actor again. So everything is very tightly scheduled, you know, um, and that kind of discipline actually, you know, businesses can benefit from, too. Yeah, and understanding understanding really what are the three or four or five things that are actually critically important to move this business forward. And, and, and are we spending time every single day focusing on those critical things? And I like that analogy too of a film set. Make you know, make your business every day like today is the last day that you can actually use this facility to get what you have to get done today. Because that's yeah, that's really interesting. If you could do that with purpose, because I think and I I do this a lot too. Is I feel like I'm really busy all day long, but then there's some days where I'm really busy. But what the hell did I just do? <laughs> exactly. What well, what did you really accomplish? Yeah, I don't and know. I think what I learned with filmmaking too, you know, there's so many different pieces, but there's, there's like three things that are essential on a daily basis, right? You have to have a camera. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you can't, you can't, uh, make a movie without a camera. You have to have film in the camera or today you have to have digital, you know, storage then battery life to, to record on. And you have to have actors and actresses to get in front of that camera and perform. If you don't have those three things, guess what? It doesn't matter if you're in the most beautiful location on the planet. It doesn't matter if you have right. the best script that's ever been written. It doesn't matter if you have the most talented director in the world. If you don't have those three basic elements, you can't make your movie. So I think in business, we should step back from it and look, what are, what's the equivalent of the camera, the film and the actors for our business? Like what are those three or four things that we really actually can't survive without and are we paying attention to them on a daily basis yeah you know jeff you talked about your uh routine in the morning and it sounds daunting um i don't know if we can all get up at 5 30 work out do tm write in our journal and then start the day before you know eight o'clock but tell me a little bit about that i am really interested to hear about your morning routine and, and can it be done uh, on a smaller level and why should we be doing something like that well i think you know there's a lot of um, people who, who tout the benefits of having a morning routine. You know, a lot of podcasters, you know, Tim Ferriss talks about it a lot. Yep. Um, Brian Koppelman on The Moment talks about it a lot. And, and I picked up a lot of tips from from those guys. I think that, you know, habits are really important, you know, and we're we're creatures of habit by nature as human beings. But a lot of times, you know, we get into not in this, habits that aren't necessarily good. So I think the morning 
routine is something where if you pick those two or three things that you can create as a habit for you that benefit you, you're, you're really starting your day uh, you know, on the right foot. And, and every day, by, as you said, by eight in the morning, I've already accomplished two or three things that are really important to me. So no matter where else that day goes, <laughs> whatever happens. <laughs> At least you, know, you got that done. Know, yeah. I know that I've done that. I've done that for myself and I feel good about it. And, and I think that having that routine and training yourself how to develop a habit is very valuable because once you understand how you can build a habit, then you can build other habits that, that help you, you know, whether it's with your relationship or whether it's with work or business, et cetera. So, so developing the skill of, of building a positive habit is really important. And I think a morning routine is one of the easiest ways to sharpen those muscles, sharpen those habit building muscles. Yeah. And I don't think you always have to go into TM or anything because that's a very disciplined form of meditation. But even sitting in a quiet room for five or 10 minutes before you get your phone out, before you start making coffee and getting into the shower and run into your day, I think it's really important just to you know, set the stage for success, you know, without, without worrying about everything else that's going on. And that was one of the things that I really had to do as I learned how to be a business owner is, you know, checking email in the morning was a nightmare because I'd be worried all the way to work and just having a really set small routine. I'm not quite as disciplined as you. I do work out and I do meditate just for about 10 minutes in the morning, but having those things in place when I don't do them, I can really tell the difference. Yeah. And I think another thing is I, I travel a lot for business because Dot Club is very global. You know, we do a lot of sure. business in China and Germany, Russia, all over the world. And I find when you have a morning routine that you can um, take with you when you're on the road, right. that's also makes makes traveling a lot more uh, enjoyable and palatable because, you know, you, you feel more at home if you can have the same routine, whether you're here, here, here at home in Florida or in a hotel room in China, if I can wake up and, and exercise and, and meditate and write in my journal and do those same things, it kind of makes traveling a lot easier and yeah. uh, just, just keeps you more balanced, I think, more, more level. So we talked about good stuff. Uh, let's talk about some of the not so good stuff or some mistakes and they're not always bad, but I'd like to talk about mistakes because we've made a bunch on our, on our journey and we're going to make a bunch more, I'm sure. What are some mistakes that either you made along the way or that you really learned from or you see pretty common mistakes that people are making either in marketing and, and, and business that you can share some things that, man, don't do this? Yeah. So a couple of things. So I think, um, you know, one thing that I that I've, you know, made the mistake myself and, and learned over years really important is not having a backup plan. Right. Not having a plan B. And this, again, goes back to. Um, lessons from filmmaking because when you're when you're making an independent film like a trauma movie we often would shoot on uh, location because it's the cheap way to get good production values you know we can't afford to go into a fancy studio but if you can go to a beautiful park or outside a lovely bit of architecture or whatever you could create um, beautiful scenery for free with location work yeah. but the problem with shooting on location is you can't control mother nature, right? So <laughs> right. you might have this beautiful shoot planned for a beautiful park on a sunny day and it turns out to be a thunderstorm. So we always had to have a plan B. So every day where you have exterior shooting on the schedule, you had to have an alternative interior set somewhere lined up, ready to go. Ideally that use the same set of actors and actresses that you needed for the exterior scene. Yep. So you wouldn't have to pull out other people so that at the last minute, if the weather should shift, you had plan B, you knew exactly where you were going and what you were shooting to cover for that. And I think in business, a lot of times I've forgotten to have plan B for things, you know, and, and made the mistake of, of not being prepared with a backup plan um, should something else go wrong. Mm -hmm. And that's really important when you're going to trade shows and preparing for events like that, you know, having that backup plan. What are you going to do? You should know if you're going to a trade show, what are you going to do if your booth doesn't show up, right? <laughs> what's what's your alternative? What yeah, are you right. going to do if, if, if the, the flyers you printed and expected to show up don't show up at the booth? You know, what's your backup plan? And I think, you know, remembering to have that backup plan is really important. And I think the other mistake I've made in, in, in many instances and, and a lot of people make today too is waiting too long, right? Sometimes, you know, we live in this world where everything's got analytics and data behind it and and, and that can slow you down sometimes sure. because sometimes you just gotta go with your gut and 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 
do something and do it and not necessarily wait for all the data to support it and wait for this and that. And sometimes it's, it's better to just, just get it out there, even if it's not perfect. And, and sometimes we, we hurt ourselves in business and in other places by waiting too long. So I think um, moving faster is important. Yeah. And I talk to students all the time at Michigan State, especially I love talking to freshmen because I'm like, you guys, I want you to try to fail, you know, as much as you possibly can right now. You have this opportunity where you can take a chance and take a risk. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. And I think that's scary uh, sometimes to take risks or do things if you're not really prepared, but you don't really know until you move forward. And in college, you know, if somebody would have told me, 20 some years ago. Hey, it's all right, man. Just keep going and keep messing up. I think that would have been really good advice, but now we're doing it when I'm 44 and it's a little hurtful, but we'll be all right. (laughs) Yeah. But this idea of, of fail fast and fail often and there, you know, it it is a, it's, it's good, but it's a slippery slope too, because the, the, the flip side to that, you know, is you have to know when, you know, when people say failure is not an option, right? Well, that's bullshit. <laughs> failure, <laughs> yeah. is not, failure is not only an option, but failure is likely in it's, almost it's gonna you know, in, in many things you do. And if you go, if you take that to the limit, you know, this idea of failure is not an option, it also means you won't quit. And sometimes it's time to quit. Sometimes, yeah. you know, you have to, you have to, and it's hard. I have trouble with this all the time. Letting go is really hard. You know, you have a business project or an idea or a plan, a marketing concept that you came up with and you think, wow, this is going to be great. You invest a lot of time and energy um, to prepare for it and then you launch it and it falls flat. It fails. You know, the first inclination is, well, maybe I'll tweak it here or do this or I'll keep pushing or I need to give it more time. And sometimes that's OK. But sometimes it's just, you know what? We tried. Didn't work. It didn't work. Yep. Time to move on. Let's let's go to something else. And and a lot of times we have trouble letting go and we hang on to something too long. And I think that that's that's the downside of this attitude. You know, there's no such thing as failure. Just keep going, keep going, keep going, keep never quit, never quit. Sometimes you do have to quit. Sometimes quitting is the right choice. Yeah. Yeah. And we had to learn that lesson, too, especially as we started to grow, as there were some clients that just were not a good fit for us. And it was bringing down the culture and it was really frustrating. And it was a big dollar amount. Some of these were, you know, for us, a big dollar amount. And that was the hard thing to do. But to let them go and say, look, I don't think we're the right fit for you. And, and this is just not working. The thing that happened immediately after we fired a client, which to me still sounds scary, uh, especially if it's a large dollar amount, it was immediate relief across the staff. They're like, Hey, we would have done what you had asked, but now we're so glad that we don't have to work with them. And that was tough for us. And I think it's tough for most business, especially starting out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. I don't like, Jeff, I don't like talking about work-life balance very often because I think most of us are looking for balance at work and it's not really separate much anymore. But I do want to talk about how do you, especially in today's world, and we're all online and we're all involved in marketing and we love it. I mean, we want to be part of this. We want to see what new domains we can capture. We want to see what's the latest trend in this and what's going on on Facebook and social media and things like that. And as a business owner and a CEO, you want to feel, I used to feel like, and I still feel like this once in a while, is if I'm not working, I'm losing money. But we've got to be able to shut it off. How do you make sure that you can shut it off and be there for yourself, be there for your family? And how do you do that? And can you do that? It's it's a really hard challenge. It's certainly hard for me, you know, personally, because I've always been you know accused by my children to this day i had to call my son the other day and again he was saying dad you're doing something else while you're talking to me. You're, <laughs> they can you're, tell you know. too my wife can tell uh, yeah. when that's and i said yeah. well you know i said zach you called me at work i'm at work and i am in the middle you know and yeah. and i was i was wrong and he was right and i think that that one of the challenges that i try to focus on and i read a really good book uh, excuses be gone uh, recently um and it's trying to be in the moment, right? If, if you can start to train yourself, yeah. whatever it is you're doing, including even if you're doing work, but whatever it is, try to be 100% present for that thing at that moment in time, whether it's sitting on the couch just breathing deeply or whether you're watching TV or whether you're you know, doing something at work, but whatever it is you happen to be doing, be in that. try to be 100% present for that thing and, and let go of everything else. And, and just like it's all these distractions. It's, it's the dopamine of the, the mobile device yeah. and, the, the, you know, and all that stuff. And I'm, I'm terrible. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm as bad as anyone, as, as addicted as anyone is. Um, so I'm trying consciously to, to be more present. And it's been very helpful both in business and in relationships and other stuff too. But it's hard. It takes conscious effort. It's not not easy to do when we've been trained to be addicted to these devices. And you know the, the availability and the connectivity we have now is a double-edged sword. On the one hand, it's wonderful 
that you could be anywhere. You could be, you know, at your your child's uh, sporting event, and because you've got your mobile device with you, if something really important has to be taken care of, you can take care of it. So we have tremendous flexibility to not be stuck in our offices like we used to be. But by the same token, the flip side of that is we have this temptation to constantly be working and constantly be focusing on other things than what we're actually doing. Yeah, I, I, I purposely now, my sons play basketball and football, and especially when I first started out a few, year, few years ago, I was like, all right, when he's not in the game, I'm going to do some work and see if I can close some deals. And so I would look and see, and then of course I would miss it. And I was like, this is absolutely ridiculous. And so I don't take my phone inside the gym and I don't take my phone inside the football stadium either. And that's just the one way that I have to train myself not to do. Cause if I have it, I'm going to think I need to check it. Like what if I miss this client who calls me and they're a 10,000, $20,000 client? Yeah. And what you learn too over time, especially as we get older is, is the world doesn't end if you miss something. No, like, I know. Like, like, you know, it's, we get ourselves worked up and we convince ourselves that that's the case, but it's really not the reality, right? Yeah. If, if you shut up, you shut off your phone for a few hours, fine. you know, I mean, I grew up when I was a kid. Yeah. Again, I'm a little bit about 10 years older than you, but when I was, when I was a, a kid, you know, on a Saturday afternoon, I'd ask my mom, Hey, what time's dinner? Yeah. That's it. Okay. Yep. See ya. Grab my bicycle. <laughs> that's right. We were gone. You know? Yeah. And I'm gone and I'm gone for the day. And she had no way to reach me. I had no way to reach her. And I was off riding my bike with my friends. And, yep. and at 630, I showed up home for dinner. And, and you, know, you know, we survived. You yeah, know, when we you did. left your work, you left your work, you know, no one could call you. You I got know. home, you know, it, it was it. So, so, you know, we all got this far without this technology. We can survive without it. That's not to say there aren't many benefits. It's wonderful. Sure. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a gadget geek and, and love all this stuff. And, but but you have to find that that balance and it's definitely not easy. You know, it is a balance. One of the things that that helped me be in the moment a little bit better and I you have to consciously do it and you have to really think even like this. It's like it's easy for me to get distracted. I'm in my office, I have my computer, I've got my phone, my staff's going to start coming in. One yeah. of the things that I heard on I, I was meditation app was Headspace and the guy I, I love the guy that does it and he said, "Hey, now here's your assignment for today." He's like, "Get an object it can be any object, something you could put in your pocket, get a rock, get a coin, get whatever you want to put in there. So I found this rock and it was small, but it fit in my pocket. And he's like, anytime you get distracted or you get stressed or you're like, I don't know really what's going on. I want you to just put your hand in your pocket and feel that rock for a minute. And then you're in that moment. And then remember that when you're touching that, then be in that specific moment and the thing that you want to focus on. And it actually works. It sounds really silly, but it actually works. That's great. It's a it's a great suggestion, and and whether it's a rock or something else, but just just building a habit. Going back to the habit building, yeah, so you're yeah, building yeah. a habit. So you're building now your habit. So when you realize you're you're distracted, you touch the stone, and that's what meditation. I mean, you know, I said I do TM. That's just because you know when I started doing it, that was the popular method. But sure. you know, any type of meditation is very helpful. And the simplest meditation is literally just just thinking about your breathing. Yep. And and as soon as you thoughts come into your head that's normal and as soon as you're aware that you're not thinking about your breathing anymore just just go gently go back yep. and think about your breathing again and that's really all it is and it's that simple yeah. and whether you do that for five or ten minutes a day or 20 minutes whatever works for you even a few minutes of that every day will be helpful and again it'll start training you to be able to pull your focus back to one thing yeah that breathing focusing on the breathing and feeling it coming through your chest and through your nose and out your mouth and then also you know just for a couple minutes just imagine that there's this thing that's just going up from your feet all the way up to your head and back down again and if you can do that in a minute that's meditation <laughs> it's not it's not as hard as we think it is yeah it doesn't have to be complicated Hey everybody, this week's episode is also sponsored by freshwater apparel check out freshwaterapparel.com that's fresh waterapparel.com and check out their spring collection of t-shirts and soon beanies are going to be on the way. We love these guys over at Freshwater. It's a Midwest clothing company and they make all their products in Lansing, Michigan and the shirts are 100% made in America. So you can't beat that. So if you love Freshwater like we do here at Michigan Creative, you should definitely check out their site. Lots more coming, but right now they have t-shirts and tanks for both men and women. Like I said before, beanies are coming, stickers, all that stuff. So check out freshwaterapparel.com and get fresh. Back to the show.
Yeah, so you know we talked about quotes, and you said that was no problem. Jeff, give me a quote. I was a teacher, so I used to pass out all these cheesy quotes. I still do it with my staff and my kids today, but give me a quote that we can use and share with the audience. Sure. One that I like and I've, I've used in, in presentations periodically is, is from the race car driver Mario Andretti. So uh, the, the younger folk may have heard of his sons, but the, yep. the original Mario Andretti. <laughs> and he said, um, if everything seems under control, you're not going fast enough. <laughs> well, and, good. And I, and I love that quote because in, in, in entrepreneurship, you know, and really in anything, complacency is, is death, right? You, you, you should always feel a little bit nervous. And you got to find that balance because obviously too nervous, too much stress is not good. But no stress, no nervousness is not good either. If you're if you're running a business and you sit back and put your feet up on the desk and you feel like, hey, everything's great, you know, then something's wrong. Right. Yeah. You should never feel like everything is 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 100 percent great. There's always more. There's always something that requires attention. There's always something you should be a little bit nervous about. Healthy stress, not not crazy stress, but healthy stress. So I really like that quote. You know, if everything seems under control, you're not going fast enough. You know, if you're in the car as a race car driver, he's got to push to the point where the steering wheel's shaking and you know that turn feels like it might slip out from under you. If he's not doing that, he's really not trying hard enough. Yeah, and I like that too. And I I, I call it enjoy the madness because in the, you know the story that I like to tell is that cash flow is always a worry of business owners and there's two sides of the madness and it drives me absolutely crazy. You know, there's the madness of going, man, we really need some more work. We got to, you know, we got all these employees. We got to get some more work. Let's do this. We push really hard and we get some sales and everything's going really good. And then on the other end of it, you're like, oh my gosh, I don't want any more work. Now I got to hire. Can we get it all done? And it's just like that balance and being okay with that balance and knowing that, okay, just because you get all this work and you're afraid that you can't handle it, you can't stop. You have to keep yeah. moving forward, and it's just it's pure madness. I think there's a quote in, in a book that said, you know, inside of every small business, there's somebody somebody slowly going crazy, and I, I think that's me on, on, on some days. <laughs> <laughs> business owners, let's talk about somebody that you would love to have dinner with. Who's a business owner who you'd love to have dinner with and why? So I'll pick, I'll pick two people you know, from two different uh, things that, that I'm interested in. So one, uh, you know, from a storytelling perspective, I would love to meet uh, Guillermo del Toro. I would too. Oh my I, I recently saw The Shape of Water and yep. just, just really, really loved everything about it and, and the way he creates a story and creates a reality out of a fantasy world. And I think it'd be really interesting to have a beer with him or, or, or a dish together. Um, and then... On the other side, I mentioned you know that for the past eight months I've been really into CrossFit. I think it'd be great to sit down with Greg Glassman, who's the founder of CrossFit, because not only would it be interesting just to get his perspectives on fitness, which he's really you know created a revolution, sure. but from a business perspective, you know he 60 Minutes did a profile of him a few months ago, and it was really interesting because he approached the CrossFit brand not in the typical franchise way that other gyms or other businesses have done and really took a very different approach that's really built an amazing empire where getting in the game from a from a licensee perspective is very easy and very cost effective you know for literally for $3000 a year right. you could you know be an official CrossFit gym versus other franchises with that that require investments of hundreds of thousands of dollars. So I think he'd be really interesting to talk to as well. God, I would love to go to that dinner with Guillermo del Toro. You know, one of the things I really like about him too is that he's, you know, he's got that book and he's an artist. And I just think that that whole filmmaking and things, Pan's Labyrinth, I really love that movie. Shape of Water is on my wife and I's list. I just, I really enjoy that filmmaking. I come from a film background, mostly just in school and studying film and taking film classes. And I just, I really enjoy his films. And he's got a crew of really good, um, you know, Mexican directors that has really done some really cool things in the last last few years. So yeah, Pan's Labyrinth is one of my favorite films, I think. That would be a cool dinner. Yep. Well, you're welcome to join me. We Let me know. Will you just text me? Yeah, you work on that. Okay. So tell me about a book besides a toxic Avenger. What's a book I should pick up and one that I'm going to read most more than the first 20, 25 pages. Yeah. So, I mean, this is kind of a, a, a trite in that it's a common answer amongst entrepreneurs, but I definitely got a lot of value out of it and that's good to great by yep. Jim Collins. But the, the piece that really resonated with me um, and, and it even goes back to some of the, the trauma stuff too, is this notion of, you know, you got to get the right people on the bus but more importantly, you got to get the right people in the right seat on the bus. Yeah. And, and I think that one of the greatest challenges 
any business has. And that's true whether you're a partnership of two or a big conglomerate with 200,000 employees. People are the biggest challenge any business has without yeah. without question, you know, and 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 managing and hiring and, and getting the right people on board is, is just the greatest challenge and opportunity, you know, every business has. And the idea of, of, of getting the right people in the right seat on the bus is like really, really important. You might have hired someone for one thing and, and you have to be open to recognize that, you know what, they may not be right for what you hired them for, but that doesn't mean they're not right for your company. And they might be right in a completely different role. And, and just finding, being open to see that, to see those opportunities with the team you're building is really hard, but really, really valuable if you get it right. So yeah. I think that really resonated with me. Yeah. And sometimes you even look at, as an owner, I have to look if I'm in the right seat sometimes. And, you know, I have to say, all right, where should my role be and what should I be doing? And, and I found that, and it's not just delegation, um, because that's easy for me. I knew right away that I had to find people that were smarter and better than I was. That wasn't that hard um, to really get us to that next level and where I need to be as an owner, where I would love to be out shooting all day long and taking photos. If I could do that, I would be super happy. I can't do that yet. Yep. And so I had to really figure out what my strengths and weaknesses are. Project management, big weakness, leading a team, super powerful up uh, sales, meeting with clients. That's what I think I need to be right now. Now that can change. But I had to really figure out where my seat was, and it's definitely not at the front right now. But it is picking up the team uh, moving forward. So, yep. Chapter twenty-one in my book is delegate or die. Yep, I know the chapter. So I have no problem with delegating. Important. I just my yep. my problem with delegating is, and, and maybe you can speak to this, but my problem with delegating is I feel bad sometimes because you know I I'm always been that person that wants to help. I you know I come from education background, and so sometimes I feel like delegating means I'm lazy or people perceive me as lazy. Now I know it's all in my head. Um, but that is one, I don't have problem giving work to people. It's later on thinking that, Oh, maybe, maybe I should do this and maybe I should help. So they see that I'm a team player. That's the only thing I have with delegation. Yeah. But the key to, to delegating successfully is delegating the right tasks to the right person. So right. if you're, you know, you're, you're this idea. And I talk about this in the chapter in the book, you know, the idea of the, the auteur filmmaker sounds good on paper, but in reality, you know, we said earlier, it's a very collaborative process and, and different, even different directors, famous directors have different skill sets. One director might be actually a, a real good cinematographer and understand the composition of the shots. Whereas a different director doesn't do that well and actually hires a great DP to handle that sure. because their skill is working with actors and actresses and, and, and getting them to give the best performance. And you need to recognize, you know, what are the things that you really are the best in the room at and, and how do you structure your business? So those are the things that you're doing and how do you surround, surround yourself with other people who are the best in the room in the things that you're not. And then yep. if you're delegating effectively, you got the people doing the task who are the best suited for that particular task, right? And you're spreading the power of your team uh, in the most effective way. Yeah, I love that. And really the right seed and the right person is the way to do yep. it. It took us a while. We're there, we're closer. But that takes some time, especially in a small business than we were a startup. So Jeff, before we go here, how do you want people to contact you? What's the best way to learn more about you? Um, and how do we get your book? And how do we learn more about Club Domains? Yes. Yeah, so, so for dot club domains, you can just go to get dot club, G E T D O T G E T, then the dot and then C L U B. Get dot club. Yeah, I love that name yeah, too. Which, which is great. Um, and then of course, if you're interested in dot club names, you can you get premium names at names dot club, or you can go to your favorite registrar, GoDaddy, Namecheap, Network Solutions, wherever you buy domain names. Um, the book, of course, as I said earlier, if you go to toxicavenger.marketing, that'll take you right to the book's page on Amazon. If you want to go to the book's website and learn more about the book and read a bunch of free chapters, I publish every couple of weeks, I publish a chapter for free Very cool. on the website, and that's at everythingiknowabout.marketing. Uh, again, taking advantage of that yeah. meaningful domain name extension. I love it. Uh, you can find out more about me at jeffreysass.com or jeffreysass.club. Both will work. Uh, Twitter, I'm at SASS, S-A-S-S. It was early on Twitter, so I got a nice short. Very cool, man. Twitter handle. Yeah, yeah. I go, go back back to 2007 for, for that. Um, and I'm pretty generally pretty easy to find uh, online. So um, feel free to reach out if I can help with anything or answer any questions. You know, I've, 
I've, I've looked at my career thus far, because who knows where it's going to go, as, as kind of a long and winding road. Sure. So I've been in a number of different industries and different things, so I feel like I've accumulated uh, a, lot of, a lot of knowledge over those years. So if there's anything I can help you with or answer any questions, don't hesitate to uh, reach out to me. Jeff, as, as fathers, and, and uh, legacy question is, is, is a little bit easier, but last question, what do you think or what do you hope your legacy will be, both in the marketing world and and also in fatherhood. Yeah, I, I think it's it's you know pretty simple. I, I just hope that uh, when you know that I've been able to uh, inspire and help uh, as many people as possible along the way, including with my children. You know, helping them to to be good, happy people and good citizens. You know, and just really to be happy. Helping them understand how to be happy is is, is really the thing I I think about the most. Cool. Well, Jeff, I really appreciate you coming on our show today. It was awesome. I, I, I am a little bit selfish because I love talking to people because I write things down and we put them into place in our business. But also, I think you <laughs> gave a lot of a lot of really good uh, tips uh, to our audience. So I really appreciate you coming on The Business Machine today. Thanks, Brian. I'll give one last, one last uh, pitch for the book. If you're a fan of Guardians of the Galaxy, mm-hmm. right? So um, when I left Troma, I quit Troma in uh, 1994 to move to Florida and work in the video game business. And when I left Troma, they hired a kid to replace me whose name is James Gunn. And that is the the same James Gunn who uh, did Guardians of the Galaxy. And he always attributes Troma for giving him his start in filmmaking. So if you like Guardians of the Galaxy and you connect the dots backwards, one could very loosely argue that if it weren't for me quitting Troma – Maybe he wouldn't have uh, made Guardians of the Galaxy, but that's not true. He's extremely talented and more talented than I will ever be. But it's a little fun, a fun fact about uh, Troma. I'm going to go with it. I think that's good. I think we should go with that because I love that movie. Those are that. I mean, all the Marvel movies have been great, but that one in particular. So without you quitting, we might exactly. not have that. We might not have exactly. Groot. We might not have anybody. Exactly. So I am not Groot, but you can uh, buy my book. (laughs) (laughs) Well, again, Jeff, thank you so much for uh, taking their time this morning to be on our show. Get back to work and have a great day. Thank you, Brian. You too. Appreciate it. That was Jeff Sass. And, you know, there's so many things, but definitely go to all his different websites. It'll be in the show notes. But the Toxic Avenger book is in my cart on Amazon right now, and I will share my feedback on that. But that'll be in the show notes. Among other things, Jeff is just a great, outstanding guy trying to make people happy, or at least he hope he made people happy along the way. That's all we can ask for. And guys, thanks a lot for being on the show. If you have any questions or great guests for us, please reach out to us at businessmachine.show. And remember, a great leader makes everyone around him or her better than they are. Thanks, guys. We'll see you on the next one.